Welcome to the Code Life Podcast with me, Carl Beach, and my great mate, Nathan Blackaby. Hello, mate. What's you got there, mate? Sparkling water, mate. <laughs> Lovely. And I've got... Lovely cup of tea. It sounds amazing. <laughs> it's really oh, nice. yeah. I'm a big fan of Yorkshire tea for hard water. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, I've been, I've been monitoring this for a long time. And I think that's that's the one. Yorkshire tea if for you, hard water. If you're in a hard water area. Well, I think it's the, it don't matter if you're not. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go on. This is the story of a remarkable man, Adoniram Judson. Who? Adoniram Judson. Adoniram. Interesting. Let's read the article. Judson was born on the August 9th, not the August 9th. Judson was born on August 9th. (laughs) 1788 in Malden, Middlesex County, Massachusetts. He was born to Adoniram Judson Sr., a congregational minister, and Abigail Nate Brown. Judson entered the College of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations, now Brown University, when he was 16, and graduated as a valedictorian of his class at the age of 19. While studying at college, he met a young man called Jacob Eames, a devout deist and sceptic. Judson and Eames developed a strong friendship, leading to Judson's abandonment of his childhood faith and parents' religious instruction. During his time, Judson embraced the writings of the French philosophers. And after graduating from college, Judson opened a school and wrote an English grammar and mathematics textbook for girls. Judson's day's views were shaken when his friend Eames fell violently ill and died. Both had been sleeping in separate rooms at an inn and Judson heard the death throes of the person next door, only to learn from the clerk the next morning that his anonymous neighbour had been Mr Eames, who had indeed died. The shock of learning of the dying neighbour's identity and that Eames had led Judson away from the Christian faith into scepticism but was now dead returned Judson back to the faith of his youth. But though he had already attended the Andover Theological Seminary, in 1808, Judson made a solemn dedication of himself to God. During his final year at the school, Judson decided upon a missionary career. In 1810, Judson joined a group of mission-minded students who called themselves the Brethren. The students inspired the establishment of America's first organised missionary society. Eager to serve abroad, Judson became convinced that, quote, Asia, with its idolatrous myriads, was the most important field in the world for missionary effort. He and three other students in the seminary appeared before the Congregationalist General Association to appeal for support. In 1810, impressed by the foreman's politeness and sincerity, Hmm. the elders voted to form the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions. They did do good names. They did. Yeah, it's a big name. So, in summary so far, yeah. young man, yeah. early 20s, yeah. here's his mate die, he's become an atheist, and that, that, that shocking experience leads him to Christ, but, and he wants to go all in. Yeah. And this, that's, that is just interesting in and of itself, that often it, you know, the evangelists, the missionaries, they have that sudden moment. Obviously, he'd grown up with a faith, rejected his faith, but you often find evangelists have a sudden conversion experience. Yeah, a strong one. A strong one. Well, I, I, you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, for me, it was... I mean, I, I would say I was a Christian beforehand. I wouldn't say I was an atheist. You know, I, I did believe in God, was baptised, and 
but certainly when I went out to Brazil uh, in twenty in two thousand, yeah, that was a big turning point for me. Yeah, yeah. back to the article. On September the nineteenth, Judson was appointed by the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions as a missionary it's to a the big East. Title. It's a big title. We need to get into big names. Yeah, what could we have? What have they got there? American. The American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions. So we could be the UK Board of the UK Evangelism to Men Federation of Evangelists to Men. <laughs> no, the that sounds amazing. The Federation of Evangelists and Apostles to Men in the UK, British British Isles, and beyond. Then I'll change my title to be like Apostle or Bishop. Yeah. No, I like think. That. Yeah, Archdeacon. Prophet. The prophet. That's it. What am I? Be a prophet as well. Yeah. Colour prophets. Colour prophets. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for a message. Yes, yeah. Been waiting a long time. <laughs> yeah. Judson was also commissioned by the Congregational Church and soon married Anne Hasseltine on February the 5th, 1812. He's a young guy. Mm. When was he born again? Mm-hmm. He was born in 1788. So, yeah, he's 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point. Uh, he was ordained the next day at the Tabernacle Church in Salem. On February the 19th, that's my birthday, everyone take note. Nice. He set sail aboard the brig Caravan with Luther Rice, Samuel Harriet Newell and his wife Anne, known as Nancy Judson. Yeah. The Judsons arrived in Calcutta on June 17th, 1812. You can only imagine what Calcutta was like in 1812. While aboard ship en route to India, he did a focused study on the theology of baptism and he came to the position that believers' baptism was theologically valid and should be done as a matter of obedience to the command of Jesus, Matthew 28, 19-20. Not not knocking anyone who hasn't gone through believers' baptism mm. here, but that was that was a very interesting moment on on his way, on his own as well. Or it doesn't this say came, no. I think they all converted. So he says on uh, back to the article on, on September 6, 1812, he switched to the Baptist denomination along with his wife, and they were baptized by immersion in Calcutta by an English missionary associate, William Carey, named William Ward, and obviously William Carey was a pioneer of the first Baptist missionary. Yeah, to India. Wow, it's interesting. He's had his life so far, very early on, is punctuated by moments yeah. of conviction. They're, they're, you know, often people have moments of conviction for themselves, don't they? Yeah. Like, they're, they're yeah. Anchors them. Yeah. Both the local and British authorities did not want Americans evangelising Hindus in the area. So the group of missionaries separated and sought out other mission fields. They were ordered out of India by the British East India Company, to whom American missionaries were even less welcome than the British. They were baptised in September, and already in June, the United States had declared war on England. The following year, on July 13th, 1813, he moved to Burma and en route his wife miscarried their first child aboard ship. Mm. On board ship. Wow. Judson offered a baptist in the United States to serve as a missionary. Luther Weiss had also converted, was in poor health and returned to America where his work and William Carey's urging resulted in the 1814 formation of the first national Baptist denomination the United States for Foreign Missions. <laughs> That's a good title. It's a good title. It's a big name. Commonly called the Triennial Convention. <laughs> I like that one. And the officer of the American Baptist Missionary Union. Wow. We need bigger names. Yeah. Oh, I can't emphasize this enough. This is not the main fuss of the article. No. It's not all about big names. <laughs> Get this. Now we're going to start getting real. Right. Well, we will already. I mean, he's been on the ship, he's got married, he's converted Pretty to a big batch, he's gone out to Calcutta, he's been kicked out. 
mate, a little question, a little pause for question. Mm. Do you think it was a shared vision? Because his missus, she's let's say she's on board, she's she's with it, but it's his thing. Yeah. She's then on this boat, doesn't know where she's going, or what? Yeah, what it's going to be like. She then miscarries on the boat. I mean, that's huge life events and trauma. Yeah. And you see, you often see marriages struggle and go under huge immense strain when perhaps the fella's got the vision or the calling yeah. in this sense. And he's like, we're going, we're pioneering. And she's like, well, I'm trusting God and I'm following. Well, but do you yeah. think it was a shared vision? She was on well, board. Let's find out. Oh. Interesting. Interesting, though. But I think it has to be a shared vision yeah. for it to succeed. Yeah. Otherwise, you just end up in tearing each other apart. Yeah, that'd be awful. It was another difficult year for the Judsons finally reached their intended destination, Burma, Buddhist Burma. Judson was quickly told by these seven poor Baptists that it was impermeable to Christian evangelism. Judson, who at 24, already knew Latin, Greek and Hebrew, immediately began studying the Burmese grammar but took over three years learning to speak it. Wow. This was during part to the radical difference in structuring Burmese and that of Western languages. He found a tutor and spent 12 hours per day studying the language he and his wife firmly dedicated themselves to understanding it. During this time, they were almost entirely isolated from contact with any European or American. This was the case for the first three years in Burma. Learning a language, 12 hours a day, wow. isolated from any contact. Wow. Four years passed before Hang Judson dared even to hold a semi-public service. Hang on. 12 hours a day of language hours, training? Yeah. On their own. Work just it, grinding work, out the work, language. No, working it out. Mate. They've got to work it out. It's just got to work it out. Three years. That's and then crazy. four years. I mean, this is where this story gets hot. So I learned, I learned another language. Oh, no. And it was exhausting. Yeah. Like, fatiguing to the max. Yeah. This was a case of the first three years. Four years passed before Judson Dead even told a semi-public service. At first he tried adapting to Burmese customs by mm. wearing a yellow robe to mark himself as a teacher of religion. Wow. He changed it to a white robe to show he was not a Buddhist. Then he gave up the whole attempt as artificial and decided that regardless of his dress, no Burmese would identify him as anything but a foreigner. Yeah. So he's, he's a pioneer here of contextualisation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four years, mate, before he holds a meeting. The art of adapting. He accommodated to some Burmese customs and built a zaya, the customary bamboo and thatched reception shelter on the street near his home as a reception room and meeting place for Burmese men. Fifteen men came to his first public meeting in April 1819. He was encouraged, but they suspected but suspected they'd come more out of curiosity than anything else. Their attention wandered, and soon they seemed uninterested. Two months later, he baptised his first Burmese convert, Mwang Nao, a 35-year-old timber worker from the Hill Tribes, Burma Baptist Chronicle stated that Wang Nao was an ethnic mon. I'm reading it authentically. You can't say that. That's actually my accent. That is my Essex accent. Wang Wang Nao. Anyway, back to the article. So we're four years on. He's got one convert. First attempts by the Judsons to the interest of natives of Rangoon with the gospel of Jesus met with almost total indifference. British traditions and the Burmese worldview at that time led many to disregard the pleadings of Adoniram and his wife to believe in one living and all-powerful God. To add to their discouragement, their second child, Roger William Judson, died at oh. almost eight months of age. Oh, my word. Judson completed translation of the grammatical notices of the Burmese language the following July and the Gospel of Matthew in 1817. 
Judson began public evangelism in 1818, sitting in a zayat by the roadside calling out, Ho! Everyone that thirsted for knowledge, the first believer was baptised in 1819, and there were 18 believers by 1822. Let's work this out. So he goes to Calcutta in 1812. Mm. 1814, he forms the uh, Union of Missionaries. 1819, he has his first convert after four years. So 1922. So he's around about... 12 years it said it took Justin 12 years to make 18 converts wow nevertheless as much to encourage him he had written a grammar of the language that is still in use today and began to translate the bible his wife Anne was even more fluent in the spoken language of the people than her academically literate husband wow she befriended the wife of the viceroy of Rangoon as quickly as she did illiterate workers and women a printing press had been sent from Semenpur and a missionary printer, George H. Howe, who arrived from America with his wife in 1817, produced the first printed materials in Burmese ever printed in Burma, which included 800 copies of Judson's translation of the Gospel of Matthew. The Chronicle of the Church, Wang Shui <laughs> concludes this part of the story. So was born the church in Rangoon, logman fishermen, the poor and the rich and men and women. One travelled the whole path to Christ in three days, another took two years, but they decided for Christ... They were his for all time. And so it goes on. Uh, so these early endeavours. By 1823, ten years after his arrival, membership of his little church had grown to 18, and Judson had finally finished the first draft of his translation of the entire text of the New Testament in Burmese. Wow. <laughs> but you imagine this, uh, before we crack up. Yeah. Ten years to get 18 people in your church. Your kids died. You have a miscarriage on the boat. You, you, you had a child dies at eight months old. Yeah. It's full on, isn't it? You pack up and go home, wouldn't you? Is, is that a different breed of people, that? The Anglo-Burmese War broke out in 1824 to 1826. Back to the article. Judson was in prison for 17 months during the war, suspected of spying. First at Ava and then at Angpinelli. Judson and Price were violently arrested. Officers led by an official executioner burst into Judson's home, threw Judson to the ground in front of his wife, bound him with torture thongs and dragged him off to the infamous vermin-ridden death prison of Ava. Twelve agonising months later, Judson and Price, along with a small group of surviving Western prisoners, were marched overland barefoot and sick for, for six more months of misery in a primitive village near Mandalay, of the Sempoy British prisoners of war in prison with them, all but one died. The sufferings and brutalities of those 20 long months and days in prison, half starved, iron fettered, sometimes trussed and suspended by his mangled feet with only head and shoulders touching the ground, is described in detail by his wife shortly after his release. Anne was perhaps a greater model of supreme courage, heedless to all threats against herself, left alone as the only Western woman in an absolute and anti-Christ monarchy at War of the West, beset with raging fevers and nursing a tiny baby that her husband had not yet seen, she rushed from office to office in an attempt to keep her husband alive and win his freedom. The end of the war should have been a time for rejoicing for the mission. As soon as her husband was released by the Burmese, Anne wrote that one good result of the war could be that the terms of the treaty which ceded Burmese provinces to the British might provide opportunity to expand gospel witness. On April... 24th, 1826, Anne died in Burma, a victim of the long, dreadful months of disease, death, stress and loneliness that had been nursed for 21 months. Their third child died six months later. She died while her husband was out exploring the ceded province of Tenazarim. 
It was in the wild hills of that newly British province of Tanazarim that the first signs of rapid growth in Protestant Christianity began in Burma. Within a few years at the end of the war, Baptist membership doubled on an average of every eight years for the 32 years between 1834 and 1866. So he comes out of prison, his child dies, he'd not seen, and his wife dies. And still he carries on. What do you make of that? We go on? Well, I would, I would say that for a lot of people, there, if you were in that situation, you'd, you'd have, I, I think, a justified case to say, what on earth, God, has happened here? Because yeah. I, I thought I heard you. Yeah. And yet, here I am, and I've lost my family. We've had 18 people come to faith. Where did I go wrong? And that, that is, would be the human reaction, wouldn't it? Mm. Where did I go wrong? Well, back to the article. I mean, I'm skimming lots of it, but yeah. it basically just carries on. It carries on. It says here, uh, Judson shook off a paralysing year-long siege of depression that overcame him after the death of his wife mm. and set out alone on long canoe trips at the Saoline River into the tiger-infested jungles to evangelise the northern Karen tribes. Between trips, he worked unceasingly at his lifelong goal, translating the entire Bible into Burmese. When he finished it at last in 1834, he'd been labouring on it for 24 years. Wow. It was printed and published in 1835. Wow. This is endurance. In April of that same year, he married Sarah Hall Boardman, widow fellow missionary George Boardman. They had eight children, only five of whom survived to adulthood. Wow. Sarah's health began failing, and physicians recommended a return to America, but Sarah died en route on September 1st, 1845. He continued home, where he was greeted as a celebrity and toured the eastern seaboard, raising the profile of money for missionary activity. Because he would barely speak above a whisper due to pulmonary illness, his public addresses were made by speaking to an assistant who had then addressed the audience. On June 2nd, 1846, Judson married for the third time to write Emily Chudbrook, who had commissioned to write his memoirs. They had a daughter born in 1847. Judson lived to approve and welcome the first single women as missionaries to Burma. The general rule of the mission had hitherto prevented such appointments. Judson said it was probably a good rule, but our mind should not be close to making exceptions. He's a pioneer, isn't he? Yeah. The first two exceptions were extraordinary. And they basically, these two women go on to do amazing things. Sarah Cummings and Jason Toomer arrived in 1832. Cummings proved her method at once, choosing to work alone with a current evangelist in a malaria-ridden Salween River, but within two years she died of fever. 1835, a second woman, Eleanor Macbomba, after five years of mission to the Umjay in Indians in Michigan, joined a mission in Burma. With the help of Korean evangelistic assistance, she planted a church in a remote Korean village and nurtured it to a point where it could be placed under the care of an ordinary missionary. She lived mm. there five years and died of jungle fever. Mm. Judson developed a serious lung disease. Doctors prescribed a sea voyage as a cure. On April 2nd, 1850, he died, aged 61, on board ship in the Bay of Bengal and was buried at sea, having spent 37 years in missionary service aboard with only one trip home to America a memorial to judgment is built on Burial Hill in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Mm. I'll finish with this, and we can chat about it. When Judson began his mission to Burma, he had set a goal, translating the Bible and founding a church of 100 members before his death. By the time of his death, he'd accomplished those goals and more, leaving the translated Bible as well as a half-completed Burmese English dictionary, 100 churches and over 8,000 believers. In large part due to his influence, Myanmar has the third largest number of batches worldwide behind the United States and India. The majority of adherents are Karen, 
Kachin and Zomi people. Adoniram Judson. There's certainly echoes and ripples in life that you will not see, isn't there? From from your time here, whatever it whatever it is, good or bad. As yep. as evangelists, we hope that, or men who share their faith, we hope that it has ongoing impact, don't we? And that's incredible. But, but one of the things that really struck me about that, yeah, you know, I'm often saying to people at the moment, I as a pastor am not responsible for people's yeah. faith. Yeah, not care. You know, anyone listening, we are not responsible for your faith. No, we 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 evangelise, we we try and inspire and encourage, but everyone has to walk their own journey. Yeah, that's what he did. Yeah. No Western contact, no support, no backup. People die yeah. in left, right, and centre, tortured in prison, shakes off depression, just goes through it. That is extraordinary, man. I, yeah. I get that. I get yeah. it's extraordinary, but he's, yeah. he's, he's been captured by Christ, and he just he just goes through it. I think so. See, would you rather live a lukewarm life where stuff doesn't happen? You know, you, you don't see doors open. Yeah. You don't pioneer anything you don't risk anything no. you just play it safe mm. do you, would you rather that or would you say I'm going to throw it all in I'm going to I'm going to try and be a person who like that it has conviction has their heart gripped by something and they go whatever the cost we're going to we're going to do yeah. this for the kingdom I'm talking kingdom because he he'd lost it all by 60 that was it game over game over Lost his wives, lost how many kids? Six, seven kids had died. Yeah. Few wives. They've been tortured, smashed up. Nuts in it, mate. Yeah, but the legacy is phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. Live your life well. Yeah. And that legacy yeah. continues. Who knows? Like you say, the ripples. What's going to happen yeah. by our actions? Yeah. But we spent a lot of time moping and moaning, didn't we? Yeah. People. Yeah. I just need more of this and I need yeah. people to listen to him. This guy's got nothing. Nothing. God honoured him. And I, I remember living in Brazil and how desperate we felt at times being isolated from family. Never fully accepted mm. by Brazil. Because you can't be. You're not Brazilian. Even if you learn the language and dress the same. Yeah. You're still a foreigner. You're still out, out of your, your home country, as it were. It must have just been so brutal. Yeah. But so, some, like we say, something gripped his heart. Something... Something happened. Something happened. And I'd rather that, if I'm honest, than just a, a malaise and a veneer mm. of yeah. normality. That you just... I mean, this guy's got it. Going up canoe, in canoes, yeah. up long river trips on his own to just preach the gospel. Yeah. Almost finding himself coming out. And coming out of a nosedive of depression for a year after losing his missus. Yeah. That's massive. And, and there are... The depression of, cut off on his own. Yeah. Not back at home being looked after. Yeah. Somehow he got himself back on track. So, he? what's the main message here? Get on it. Yeah, maybe. Get on it. <laughs> yeah, let your heart be captured by, by Christ. Christ and and his his cause. Yeah. And if it's not, ask him to to yeah. put something in your heart that really wakes yeah. you up. And there might be blokes that are already on fire and going for it. But I I know and we know there's loads of blokes who. You know, get made redundant or go through a crisis. And it and the wheels come off life, don't they? Yeah. And I, and I think this is a clear example 
Your identity is not in that. It's, it's not in that. No, look for look as for the purpose. Is, look for the purpose. Yeah. Look look for the stuff yeah. that's happening in in the heavenly places. Yeah. Yeah. Keep your eyes on the prize, keep looking up. And what what's staggering is he didn't do that with a huge group of people cheering him on. No. He's done that he's found that that contentment that's and it. that identity in Christ on his own almost. Yeah. Mate, that's mad, isn't it? But I hope that inspires someone to something. Thanks for listening.